10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2... Pumpkins and Blumpkins, this is Babette Bombshell, and welcome to Contractually Obligated, the only show that's truthful enough to admit the only reason we're doing it is because we're contractually obligated. And you, you know, you know that's not necessarily true this time around, because I'm actually quite happy with the, um, the little creative setup here that I have this time around. I mean, it's not, um, I've just made better decisions. And that's true of anyone's career. But this isn't about me. And you know what? I'm not really going to, even though this is kind of a relaunch of the show, I'm not going to um, um waffle around and try to, like, hi, I, uh, and introduce myself. I'm not really good at that kind of thing. And frankly, because um, I'm very tangential. You know, like, I'll tell you where I was born, and we'll end up talking about the Bulgarian Olympic team. Because I just love a good tangent. So I'm not going to do that as I go ahead and do it. And, um, y you know, so I'm just going to let it be a slow onion peel. Let the audience discover that I'm absolutely out of my fucking mind. That's what I'm going to do. So, um, this, today's, uh, today's topic is, um... Radical queer politics, which I kind of um, end up being involved in um, because by virtue of being the last queen standing, I think is what it feels like lately. Because the rest of the quote-unquote gay community, I think, have fucking lost their minds. I think they're out of their fucking minds. And that's the whole rainbow um, waving, uh, GLBT, uh, XYZ, PDQ, all of them. That's all of the crowd. And, um, I'll explain why. <clears throat> Back, the reason, you know, when, when, uh, when they first said that, um, the, the gay movement, and this will give away my age, when, and when I first heard that as a little, uh, as a little baby bombshell, I heard the I heard them saying, "Oh, those are gay people." And it was on the news. Oh, they're gay. They're gay, and they were all marching and waving flags and generally looking really pissed off, but having fun at the same time. So that was interesting. And um, the the reason why they were calling themselves gay was because of psychiatry, because up to that point, psychiatry had said that um, homosexuals were doomed to a life of uh of misery because they were mentally ill and that gay people were of course uh miserable creatures who were not able to think normally and not rational and shouldn't be trusted and should seek treatment that was the attitude so when they came out with the phrase gay it was reactionary. It was a response to psychiatry. And I'm saying, let's not, let's not continue to be reactionary. It was never meant to become the moniker of a culture. It was, you know, not the way it is now, wherever. I mean, and I didn't really think it, it felt fit well on me to begin with. I mean, who is so fucking moronic as to be prancing around? Because gay, which which is what that implies, is just like skipping, 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 and so happy. I'm gay. I'm having a gaiety of it. Who is who is so dumb to be that? 
all these years later when we're still the only minority that it's openly okay to hate and fucking be nasty about. All right, so the time to, like, prove to people that we're gay has kind of passed. They get it. We're gay. We're really, really gay. <laughs> they get it. They get it. And the danger of it is that because um, we're kind of taught who we are by the media, the, it, it all be, all of the gay civil rights movement became very trivial became very, very trivial and very driven by pop culture and very, very driven by fashion and, oh, who's fierce today? And, ooh, who's working? And just all this ebonic stuff that's now going on in the culture where nobody just talks about anything of substance. They just parrot shit. And um, when you have a culture where people are used to, to parroting ebonics, um, at each other, that's when political talking points become the same thing. Because people stop sharing opinions that uh, that aren't popular. You get what I'm saying? If it can't be summed up with a snap and a new girl, people don't want to hear about it. You know, it's, it's just too much trouble and too much bother in today's gay culture. And I'm saying we should all kind of like rethink that. Because all of this, and, and the reaction to that is, okay, the reaction to, to that circumstance where it's also trivial is every subgroup in the spectrum of gay, lesbian, queer community, all of them became totally disillusioned and said, no, I want to be taken seriously. I want my civil rights to be taken seriously. You can all fucking, you know... Do whippets at a foam party all you like. However, I'm I want to be serious. So they all started saying, fractioning themselves off and dividing themselves off into little um into subgroups. When it's all the same fight. I don't. Here's the thing. It's all the same fight, people. It's all the same civil rights movement. So we've all got to kind of realize that, uh, you know, the power is in a unified fight for all of our civil rights movements, not these tiny little uh, barely armed battles on the fringes. Stop carving yourself individual portions of your little section of life on the margins. Look around. There's enough of us now, and the internet is such, where we can do it. We can really change the culture. We can really do it. We can have a profound impact. We've proven that on the culture. So now I'm saying, you know what? Find things to love about each other, you know? Because this is the thing that straight people don't realize. They don't realize that gay and lesbian people are like cats and dogs. They have nothing absolutely in common with each other other than the fact that they're treated like shit by straight people. And the trans community... Which I hate that term anyway because it, it does a lot of people disservice who don't fall under transitioning one way or the other. But I'm not going to climb. Again, I'm not going down the Alice in Wonderland hole of all of these different groups. You're all queer. You are all queer. I'll tell you something. The original queer liberation movement was very inclusive. It was inclusive of everybody under the spectrum. But what happened was it was hijacked by cis gay men. And uh, they, they have entitlement issues. And they're just pushy queens. And they're party planners. And they just took over. They branded it as gay. They picked out colors. And they've run the whole thing um, like a bachelorette party ever since. 
And it caused everybody to fraction out in a hundred different directions. And I'm saying, get back to the basic inclusive root of the queer liberation movement. And there's tons of people who are out there who will help us who are queer too. If we just open up ourselves to say, yes, I'm queer. Straight, gay, bi, uh, transgender, I don't care. You're all queer. And if we, if we can't get cohesion and uh, gather ourselves together in tolerance, how the hell do you think it's going to happen in the patriarchal straight world? It's just not going to. You're queer, and there's a lot of you. Because you know what? There's power in that. There's power in that. And if you're an atheist, oh honey, forget it, you're queer. <laughs> and you know who else is queer? The girl at the bank who decided to get her, her a tattoo on her face, and now she gets fired. You know, that's who's queer. The body modification people are, are queer. And um, they'll be making headway in a way that the other the other branches of uh, the disenfranchised queer community won't, because they're not slaves to political correctness. They're leading their lives joyfully, and um, that's contagious. And it will catch on, and people will want to support it. There's a great big joyless vacuum of division. So when it comes to the body modification, I just say welcome. <laughs> so I really love that community of people. And welcome, I say. But basically, being queer for a queer, for a queer uh, civil rights kind of an idea isn't about who you sleep with. Who gives a shit who you sleep with? It isn't about what's hanging or not hanging between your legs. It's not about what your gender identity is. It's not about any of those things. It's absolutely about how the, the culture is treating you. It's how the culture is marginalizing you and disenfranchising you. That's what lets you know you're queer. That's what lets you know. And you, you, you better wake up now, all of these groups of people, because um, as the, the pecking order goes down, it, it, sooner or later, it'll be your turn. You know, it's kind of like um, the whole dividing things up. Is, is, well, here's what I'll say. When um, the Nazis came in, and this is such an overused thing, and usually it, it belays a weak argument, but in this case, it's not about the Nazis, it's about the Jews. <laughs> That's another zinger is going to make me friends. But it's about, it's, it's using it as a simile. And when the Germans came, there were lots of different Jews in an area. And the Jews looked and they said, oh, well... That's not, that's not our type of, those are the gypsy Jews. Those are the gypsy Jews that are rounding up now. It'll be okay, it'll be okay. And then, and then, the, then the Germans marched back. Oh no, those are, those, that's not the, that's the Polish Jews. And they like the Polish, and we know, that's their problem, their problem. They're very loud, they play music. It's not the good Jews, it's not our type of Jews. And then the next people come, and everybody is divided into their little handy, marginalized groups. And that's the danger that the queer community is in now. All of these groups who are branching off and deciding they want their individual civil rights movement, you're cutting yourself off. It's like, uh, then you'll look around when, when they come back and you realize that everybody who would have fought with you, who would have outnumbered the people who were coming to take you away or pass laws against you, all of those people are gone because they weren't exactly like you when you stood side by side in the, uh, in the trenches of it. 
And it's a cultural war. Make no mistake. And here's where uh, here's where it becomes radical politics. It's a war that w- these religious and moral majority people, when they say that there's a culture war, they're not lying. They're not making that up. They're not stupid. It is. It's a culture war to get rid of a lot of horrible, horrible uh, shit that's been holding mankind back. And the other thing that uh, the other thing that. Uh, this, this whole thing, this argument about gay marriage and all of this, I'm delighted that people can get married and have protection under the law and all of that kind of thing. But um, when they say, when straight men say that um, it'll be the destruction of, of marriage as an institution, they're right. They're right. And you know why? Because they want marriage as the institution that they have made it where it's a male-driven institution, where the woman has to obey, and um, dowries are exchanged, and somebody pays for the bill and somebody doesn't. And it's just, it's the whole, it's the whole thing of treating women like property. And they know that the second that there are gay couples and lesbian couples who have actual equal relationships, actual equal relationships that don't have all of this gender roles and mommy does that and daddy does this and they thrive and they're happy all of those women and all of those um those henpecked men that are in those those fucked up hetero relationships are suddenly going to want to break the rules and they're going to want what those gay people have so uh so they're right when they think it's the destruction of the family unit they're right. And you know why they're right? Because of their own fucked up shit. Because they know that the patriarchal uh, system of marriage is teetering on the edge of collapse because it's so dysfunctional. That's why so many people get divorced. <laughs> that's why. And they don't want the status quo to change. So that's my thoughts on gay marriage. However, for, for the legal reasons, I'm delighted that people that people can get married. Of course, that's wonderful. You know how many people I saw thrown out of, of patients? I had it happen to me when my uh, when my partner was getting his bone marrow transplant and cancer treatment. I had nurses tell me in the hospital that uh, that I couldn't sleep in the room. I, I could, Then I was like, well, I'll wait in the guest waiting room, which was filled with people. And they were like, no, 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 no guests. So suddenly none of, the, all of the floor was not allowed because I was there to stay overnight in the guest, you know, in the family room at the hospital. And then I said, well, you know, I was like, well, I'll just sleep out in my car. And they said, no, that's a liability against the hospital. We can't allow. And then I told them, you know, listen, I, I just need to get in touch with the local gay and lesbian community center. And in my head, I'm thinking to find a couch to sleep on because I'm going to, my ass is going to be here every step of this. But in their head, they heard the gay and lesbian community center lambda legal response or something. And they immediately changed their tune. But I learned that you have got to be, you've got to be aggressive because otherwise people will squeeze you right in the margins. And if you don't lock arms and um, stop fighting amongst yourselves, you're fucked because they'll blow you right over. And, um, you know, we just got to stop, stop fighting and start looking for what we have in common because man, again, it is all the same fight, kids. It's all the same fight. So uh, that was quite a little rant I just had for myself. And um, <laughs> what can I say? Um, it's, it's closing in on, uh, on 15 minutes. So that will be the first section of the show in which I talk about radical queer politics. 
Isn't that fair? I hope you had fun with this one. And um, I'm going to um, continue on um, with another topic in the uh, the next 15 minutes. I think I'm going to do them in, in little two-part things. So it's neither fish nor fowl. So if people don't want to hear one thing, they'll hang around for the next. Fabu. You are listening to Contractually Obligated with Babette Bombshell. We're... Um, we're back with um, the second half of my show tonight, which, um, just so that we all don't take ourselves too goddamn serious, I am going to have the second half of the show be about um, uh, UFOs and alien invaders and um, abductees and contactees and all of that kind of um, stuff, which I find very, very interesting. And I've looked into the situation with all that shit for a good long while. Um... So it's not coming when I, so this, all of this judgment that I'm going to have at that entire field does not come from an uninformed place. And there are people who are very obsessive about this. So they'll want to tell me about it the same way that Christians want to tell you about Jesus as if you've never heard of him before. This mythical unicorn-like person that's never heard of Jesus in the Western world. So don't get, so let's not get into that headspace. Let me just say, they'll say what I think. Here's the thing. Of course there's intelligent life in the universe. To think that there was an intelligent life in the universe would be to come from such an egocentric place as to be almost incalculable. I mean, just the, the, the fact that we're this far along and people would be questioning that. Well, it's healthy, but it's, it's just mind-boggling to me. So yeah, people need to learn and look into all of these, the little things that have been discovered, like um, those little uh, tardigrades, those tiny uh, microscopic critters that can survive in the vacuum of space and uh, under extreme radiation. So it's just like, and you know, there's all of these, there was the rock from Mars that they found uh, bacterium in, and it's just a little trickle-down effect until they talk to us probably more about um, Mars's history and its possible the life that used to be on Mars. So, I mean, none of that is a big surprise. And um, so if we know that, if we know that there's the infinity of the universe out there and that there's probably, you know, whole pockets of civilizations that have been around uh, a lot longer than us, haven't had some of the misfortunes and setbacks that we've had. So there are lots of different ways to think about it that way. But the way that I think is most liberating to think about it is to realize that... Um, the meat body, a human body that you and I walk around in, our bodies kind of have a technology stamp. And there's got to be a point in technology when, and you people are talking about it now, about downloading uh, consciousness, about uh, incorporating computers into your brain so your brain becomes part of the computer. And as scary as that sounds, that's an inevitable place that humanity will then end up having to explore. Just like any other, just as if we were to land on another planet that is a possibility for survival, we would have to explore that. So they'll be definitely exploring that whole thing. So that tells you that, indeed, if that is there to be explored, and there's the infinity of space, then some alien species have figured out how to transcend a meat body. They've figured out how to be uh, just like a, a consciousness, a pure consciousness form or something. I don't fucking know. I can't explain it and I, I shouldn't have to. It's conceptual. So I'm just saying, yeah, I think we're probably visited by disembodied alien consciousnesses all the goddamn time. Because, uh, 
you know, why wouldn't they? I mean, in any race that, here's the problem with all of these seeing UFOs and horseshit. Anybody who could travel here in a, in a physical spaceship also wouldn't have to. They would have also the technology to spy on us from a distance or take samples from a distance or molecularly duplicate readouts of our planet and our thoughts or from a long distance. So um, they wouldn't have to, you know, they wouldn't have to travel here. So that puts a great big kink in everybody's boner about spaceships flying around. Because there's just not a lot of reasons why... I mean, even we, in our limited infancy of space exploration, don't travel places ourselves anymore. We send, you know, uh, satellites and things to go zipping around and look at things. And probes and little robots that crawl on the... I mean, if people were seeing that, that, that would be one thing. Where you could go, oh, wow, somebody's slumming it on Earth, huh? I mean, that's what we should be thinking. But, um, and then the fact that aliens would want to communicate to us or have the slightest interest at all is hilarious. That's an only ego trip. But I could talk about that but in a minute. But, um, the, the thing that I think is the funniest, the most egocentric thing, is that people, um, people think that we would put up a fight at all if aliens came. Like, A, we would be here. Because any alien that, that wanted to, like, kill off humanity, the infestation, which, and that's what it is, the infestation of humanity on, on the face of the earth, they would do that before they ever got here. And they would do it real quick. I mean, you'd be, you know when you know when there'd be an alien invasion? That's how you'd, nothing would happen. That's how you'd know. You would, one minute you'd be here and the next minute you'd be dead. I, that's how a high alien technology would do it. Uh, uh, you think there's going to be a, they're going to land and then fight us? What the fuck kind of a thinking, what Star Trek horseshit is that? That's like from the day the earth stood still thinking. I mean, they, I mean, come on, really, let's be serious. You want to know, you want to know the unfortunate truth of humanity? If aliens, all right, it happens, you know, Washington, D.C. or Piccadilly Circus or whatever, a, a portal opens up, because that's how they would arrive, and they, they would just walk out, and um, we would immediately suck their dick. We would, um, as a species, we would immediately kiss their ass. Are you kidding me? The first alien race that lands and offers a cure for death and all disease, and no suffering, and oh, by the way, you know, we'll give you free Wi-Fi to the planet Nebulon, where you can set up a YouTube channel and a Patreon and run a Kickstarter. Free mobile service, people would subjugate the human Earth, and yeah, we, that would be it, the human race. They would subjugate it just instantly. The slightest, the secure, casual offer of something that's beyond our, our capability. One of the races of the planet would shake, come on down. That's just the, the unfortunate truth of humanity. But all of, you know, all of that is just comes from a total place of ego that aliens would want to interact with us at all. I mean, that really is just, you know, the snail in the garden seeing the, the gardener walk by on his way to the shed and going, Interact with me, human gardener. The garden revolves around me. I, you will get my consent. And the fact that, and, and it, even if the gardener wanted to bother to lean down and look at the snail, nothing that we as the snail have to blink about is going to be really of much interest. Oh, man. You know what I mean? Other than physically to go, oh, yeah, that's a snail. And that's, you know, and this whole thing where people, I mean, I, Mary, please. All these farmers who supposedly are, since Barney and Betty Hill, 
all of these farmers who are now um, getting anally probed. I mean, I've done it. In one of my movies, I, I did it. I uh, anally probed someone. I didn't feel bad about it. It was a lot of fun, but I don't think I would fly across the universe for it. Fuck, Mary. So, again, there really is no reason for them to communicate with us. I mean, it's just a silly notion. They, I mean, if they wanted to uh, get rid of us, they would harvest or destroy us remotely. That's the truth. And if they wanted us to do something, it would probably, the easiest way to do it would just be to implant the idea in the population that it was our idea and we would do it. And then we just go, you know, like, I don't know, voting for Donald Trump. Just something alien and bizarre and unbelievable that then suddenly everybody wants to fucking do. That's how aliens will invade. It'll be a hands-off kind of a thing. So, you know, you can all just relax that the sky is going to fill with spaceships tomorrow from some science fiction movie. That's not how they will arrive here. That's how we would travel to the few planets around us. If we had a uh, an inhabited planet around us somewhere, that would be an immediate danger. But we're lucky. We're lucky that we don't, or unfortunate, depending on how it pans out for planets that are in the middle of... Uh, interstellar highways or whatever you want to call it but now we're really in bizarro land see how i see how i immediately <laughs> have to kind of apologize but you know as the, the, that that's the thing you know i think a lot of these religions are miscommunications or people tapping into things but your memory is a very flawed thing i mean your your memory of an event especially an event that happens in the middle of the night or that happened two days ago, or even a year ago. Forget it. Forget it. Because memory is a construct. Even your even your vision is a construct of reality. It's just very. That's why witness testimony is so difficult. Because once you've seen something and then you call it back up, you're calling up a little play that you recorded in your head, and that carries all of your bias and all of that shit. That's why people are seeing every time they turn around, they're seeing Mary on a on a piece of toast, or they're you know. A lot of that is pareidolia, where you can kind of make images look like one thing, because we're hot-wired for that in our eyes. But um, sometimes it's just perceptual, where you just really are wanting to believe things, and you want to see things, or you're predisposed to see things. When I was a kid, um, I snuck down Christmas night and um, crept around the corner, and my, my brother was there too. And we peeked around, we knew we weren't supposed to be there, and it was the dead of the night, and we were thinking, oh, we could see Santa Claus. So we were all prepped for that. And we rounded the corner, and we both have had this memory, and I've talked, I've talked about my, this with my brother since. So we both had the shared same memory, but we were both primed for all with all the same stimulus. So we looked around the corner, and Santa Claus had his back to us. And he was further out than I was as we peeked around the corner. But t Santa Claus turned around and had a horrifying, demon, scary, snarling <laughs> monster face. And we both bolted back up to bed and hid ourselves under the, you know, hidden covers. But I'm telling you, um, we both share that same memory. And it's very vivid and absolutely visual. It's crystal clear. It made a big impression on me as a kid. And you ask yourself, well, how does that happen? That happens because we knew it was the middle of the night. We were feeling all of that anxiety. We knew we could see Santa Claus, and we knew we'd get in trouble if we got caught. So we had gotten caught. We were somewhere we shouldn't be. We were seeing Santa Claus. You get the picture. You see how it comes together. And that's why memory of events like an alien abduction is uh, very problematic. It's very problematic at the best of times, much less when you start factoring in 
frequency of events where people have sleep paralysis. I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, all of your all of your brain and everything is obviously malfunctioning when you have sleep paralysis. So you see people moving around you. There's a big buzz sometimes and a bang that pre um, presupposes an episode where you're having sleep paralysis because your body is trying to sort out what the hell is going on. So I really, I sympathize with people who say that they are having abduction experiences, but as soon as we get on board the spaceship and they are the one person that's giving, giving told information about peace and love that puts them higher than everybody else and they have got to spread the word and blah, 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 then we're on a one-way bus to uh, Roswell. You know what I'm saying? Then, then, it's, then, then you really, uh, you lose objectivity. And um, it's really... As soon as you start thinking, okay, well, there's this this kind of alien, like a gray, which are now the only kind since Close Encounters. That's the only kind you ever hear of in the fifties, in the forties, and the thirties, and the twenties. Look at the look at the magazines and the, and the comic books and the science fiction. It was all over the place. It was much more fun to have aliens back then because they had like huge heads and frog feet, and it was much more fun. Now they're all kind of garden variety grays. And that's a depressing view of the universe, that those are the only ones that have bothered? Really? That's a sad thing. That's the date to the prom that I don't want to take some fucking horrible slump a dinkin' little gray alien. And they don't even, they're not even chatty or funny or, oh no, Mary, that sounds awful. So, I say look beyond that. And, you know, the first alien that lands, the first, okay, here is the big danger for humanity. And this is why I crawl up religion's ass a lot. Um, the very first alien that we can hang the identity of divine being on that appears, like in the sky, if, it, if the clouds parted and an alien's voice rang out that everybody in the world could hear, take me to your temple, we would make that into God instantaneously. And any alien that didn't say, yes, I am God would be fucking stupid. So every time a Christian says to you, no, well, we can't do this because of God, realize that is the path for an invasion. It's the silent beginning of a theological invasion that can lead man nowhere good. Nowhere good is coming from that. But anyway, I don't know. So those are my thoughts on aliens um, from outer space. I hope you enjoyed this little show and... um. Tune in next time, and I'll be talking more. I think I'm going to be talking about the transgender community and a personal project that I'd like your help with that involves a serial killer. All right, well, thank you all for tuning in. And this is your very own Babette Bombshell reminding you that I am slavishly yours until the last Phoenix is soiled. Z two and T T T Thario Phi Hive Z one Z Z Z Sixista Z
Thirteen. Eighteen. Z. Twenty. Z. Zero. 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 Zero.